0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to worship with you. I don't know about you, but I'm still basking in that worship set that we just had it's not just the music time of our service it's worship it's coming together and and giving our hearts to god and letting his presence just saturate our lives and it's just an amazing thing i want to thank our worship team again for doing such a good job We're in a series called Rise and Build, and we're talking about Nehemiah and Ezra. And how many of you are enjoying the series so far? All right, we're we're working our way through, and I want to focus on Nehemiah chapter 6 this morning, and I'm going to jump right in. This is Nehemiah himself talking here. Nehemiah 6 verse 1, when the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Ono is right. That was bad. That was a cheesy joke. Sorry. Should have ran that one by you first. But they were... Scheming to harm me, Nehemiah says. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are all about, or you're about to become their king, and even have appointed prophets to make the proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come let us meet together. Okay, let's pause right there for a second, kind of unpack what's going on. Nehemiah is trying to finish the wall. The walls are all repaired, but he hasn't installed the gate doors yet. And so this is the last chance for opposition to come and get into the city. So some people who are opposing this project, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, they're trying one last time to destroy the city. They're trying to get Nehemiah away from the city so that they can destroy it. So what happens is they're saying, hey, let's meet outside the city in the town called Ono. This was a two-day walk outside of the city. It would take two days. And they wanted to lure Nehemiah away from the city so that they could attack the city and destroy it again. But Nehemiah knew that they were trying not only to harm the city, but harm him. And so he kept saying, no, I'm busy. I'm not coming to meet with you. Then what happens is on ballot, he sends an unsealed letter to Nehemiah. Now, the difference between sealed and unsealed was a sealed letter. No one could open it. Only the person it was written to could open it. An unsealed letter, everyone who changed hands, wherever it changed hands when it was being delivered to Nehemiah, everyone would open it and read it. This was done on purpose because they were trying to create division and get people against Nehemiah, saying, you know, creating rumors that he wants to just take over and he wants to be king and he wants, it's all about him. And so that's where we're at right now in the story. Nehemiah sends this reply back in verse 8. Nothing like what you said is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. It's a great line. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will, be, it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. I love this line. I'm going to get back to it in a minute. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah... I'm not going to say all those names. Who is shut in at his home? He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But Nehemiah said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat, Had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me, so I would commit a sin by doing this, and then would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they've done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed in the twenty-fifth of Elul in fifty-two days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. This is a powerful portion of Scripture, and I think there's three main takeaways I want to focus in on this morning that we can pull from this passage. The first one is this, whenever you're doing something for the kingdom of God of significance, whenever you say, I'm set apart, I'm living for God, I'm going to go after doing some kind of ministry, I'm going to bring, build his kingdom, opposition will come, and usually it will contradict God's word. Opposition will come, and it will contradict God's word. There was a false prophet in this passage by the name of Shehemiah. And he went to Nehemiah and he said, I've got a prophetic word for you. God wants you to go into the temple and hide there so that you're not killed because men are trying to kill you. So Nehemiah had two options. I could listen to this word. I could accept it as the prophetic voice of God. I could take it at face value. Or I could look at what the Word of God says and weigh it against that. And he knew that the Word of God said that no king, no governor was allowed to go into the temple. That was a sign for the priests, and I'll show it to you in Scripture. Numbers 18.7 says this, but only you and your sons may serve as priests. He's talking to Aaron. In connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain, I'm giving you this service of priesthood as a gift. Anyone else who comes near the sanctuary is to be put to death. This was serious. God appointed his priests to run the temple, to be in charge of it. And whenever other people entered, it, was, it didn't go well for them. For example, I want to read you one other portion of scripture in 2 Chronicles 26. It says this, 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. So as you can see here, It's not for the kings to go into the temple and what these false prophets were doing where they were trying to get Nehemiah to go into the temple so they could show people, look, he sinned. He went into the temple. He's not supposed to be there. They were setting him up and Nehemiah knew it because he knew the word of God. And that's why it's so important in this day and age for us to know the word of God. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a lot, a lot of false teaching out there right now. There's a lot of people who are trying to get us away from this word and all of it being God-breathed and inspired. And there's people who are literally taking the parts out they don't want to live by anymore and they still call themselves Christians I'm a Christian I'm a Christ follower I know God I'm fine with him I spend time with him I pray but I've, I've gotten rid of these parts because I don't want to live my life by those parts and our culture doesn't want us to live those lives by it. life is just easier for everyone if we don't live our life by some of these parts And they're creating their own versions of the Bible. And this is nothing new. It's been happening for a long time. The Apostle Paul talked about false teaching and false prophets and people doing this back in his day. One of our own founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, he cut out all the parts of the Bible he didn't like. And he created a Bible for himself without the parts that he didn't like and just read that Bible all the time. This is nothing new. It happens And there's a movement going on called the post-evangelical movement. And it's a movement of of deconstructing faith and reconstructing a faith that is different than what the Word of God teaches. And basically what this movement is doing is it's really following the culture's lead and trying to make everyone feel comfortable. It's a, it's a movement that there's no judgment. You don't have to live your life a certain way. There's multiple ways to God. If you're Buddhist, you can, there's good truth there. If you're uh, Muslim, there's good truth there. If you're a mystic, there's good truth there. And all of it points to God, and we can all worship together, and we can all be together, and we can do, do this life together. And don't worry, you'll never be judged when you walk. And in. in fact, when you walk in the door, we won't ask you to change a thing. We will just welcome you as you are and just, just live your life the way you want to live it. All are welcome. And you know, that sounds amazing, right? It, it, it sounds like, wow, that would be cool if, if we could live like that. But the truth is, we can't. And, and, and God gave us his word, and this word has stood the test of time, and, and everything in it is in there for a reason. I know there's hard parts of the Bible. I wrestle with some myself, but I also know that God put those parts in there to point us to Christ and our need for a Savior, that we cannot do this life on our own. And I know that, I believe what, what Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and preaching and rebuking. And I get that it would be a much easier way for Christians if we, we'd be less persecuted, we'd be more accepted if we just tolerated everything in our world. And you know me, I love people. I believe when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, that's people who don't agree with me, people who don't think like me, people who don't believe like me, people who don't act like me. But I also believe as Christians, we are called to live our lives according to this book. And God is calling us to do that. He's calling us to get a passion for His Word, all of it back, and to read it for ourselves and not just listen to influencers or preachers or other people, but for ourselves to get into this book again, to study it, to know it, so that when confusion comes, we go, wait a minute, that, that's not what this says. Because I believe there's an attack, and it, it's a brilliant attack by the enemy. It really is. It's an attack to confuse Christians. It's an attack to confuse people. It's a message that really appeals to people who are full of grace and full of love and want to live like Jesus. But it is a confusing message to people. And if you're feeling confused on what you believe and why you believe it, that is the enemy causing a spirit of confusion in your mind. I know this and it breaks my heart because I've been a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And one of my greatest joys of being a youth pastor was watching the students within our youth ministry grow up and start doing ministry and and own their faith and really go after God and, and, and be used by God even in high school to do great things. But the hardest part of being a youth pastor for 13 years is now watching many students that loved Jesus, that had a passion for His Word, walking away from their faith now wrestling with what they believe not going to church anymore because they're confused and they don't understand what they believe and this is what the enemy's plan is it's to confuse but God is not an author of confusion and all we got to do is stick to the basics and we're going to be fine Read my Bible and pray every day, and I'm going to grow, grow, grow. That's the basics. And that's what God, I believe, is trying to tell his people in this time. I like to cook a little bit. My wife and I, this is, we have like Saturday date nights where we'll go to the grocery store, and and we'll both get recipes, and, and we'll cook meals together, and we just enjoy this. And there's something about following a recipe that's important. Because if you don't follow the recipe, the dish isn't going to come out the way you want it to come out, right? You throw a little bit of this, a little bit of that, "Ah, try that in there, and you're like, whoa, that did not come out the way it was supposed to be. But when you follow a recipe, and you know a little bit about cooking, and you know that you got to... Heat up the olive oil and then put the garlic on, but not too much or the garlic will burn. You know, there's a lot of technique to it. When you do it right and you follow the steps and you follow the recipe, you get a fantastic meal at the end. My wife is a fantastic cook. She follows the recipe and at the end, wow, delicious. The recipe is the recipe. Whether that recipe was created 10,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago. A year ago, a week ago, and whether it's a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, that recipe's going to be the same. And if you follow that recipe, you're going to get the same results. And I think we need to know that with the Word of God. Is this has stood the test of time. The Word of God is living, and it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And if we just read it and apply it to our lives, we will experience sustainable transformation in our life. That is the recipe. So just know, if you're feeling confused, it's okay. But just understand that opposition is trying to pull you away from what God's calling you to do. He's got a plan for your life. And the enemy is trying to pull you away from that plan. So the number two thing we can pull out of this passage we read was this. When God is involved, success will be the outcome. When God is involved in something, success will be the outcome. I love verse 9 of this story in Nehemiah. He says this, they were all trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. When I read this portion of scripture in my study time this week, that now strengthen my hands leaped off the page at me. And whenever that happens, I know that God is trying to speak to me. This is how He speaks to me a lot, is when I'm reading Scripture, something will jump off the page, and I'll get this feeling like God wants me to pray into that a little bit. So I started praying into it, God, what's the significance of now strengthen my hand? And as I was praying, the Lord just was speaking to my heart, and He was saying, too many times we try to do things in our own strength. And what you can do is good, but when you ask me to strengthen your hand, it will become a success. If I'm in it, it will become a success. I will finish what I've got. Now, it doesn't mean you won't face opposition. doesn't mean you won't face hard things. doesn't mean you're not going to go through trials and tribulations. But if I'm in it... It's gonna be a success. And then I really felt the Lord put it in my heart that this is a word for the men of our church at CCC. And it's for men and women, but the men were on my heart during this prayer time of the Lord calling men to lead. And to lead not from their own strength only, as providers, as hard workers, but every day to get up and say, Lord, strengthen my hand. I need you. It's a call to the men to lead again, to lead their families, to pray for themselves, to worship, to study God's word, and to lead their family from a position of power in the spirit not just authority as a man. And I really felt God was calling us to do that. And I I know that many of you are doing that. But I really feel in this next season of life, it's important for us men in particular to step up and to worship and to pray and to read God's word and to lead well in this season. So once Nehemiah started on the wall, it was 52 days, it was finished in 52 days, and this whole project from beginning to end, from them coming back to Jerusalem to the end was about roughly 21 years. 21 years of struggle, 21 years of opposition, 21 years of uncomfortability, but God brought it to completion. It was hard, but he didn't. If God is in something, success will be the outcome. I love, the, one of my favorite passages of all time is Psalm 1. I love Psalm 1 because it talks about the person who meditates on God's words and God's ways. is like a tree planted by the water. Whatever they do will prosper. And I think sometimes we worry so much about prospering. We worry so much about our future, how, what we're going to do. But it says the man and the woman who meditates on God's word day and night is like a tree planted. Whatever they do will prosper. You want to prosper? You want to have success in life? You want success to be your outcome? Meditate on God's word and on his ways. And success will be an outcome. Not mean you're gonna get rich or get all the, be healthy all the time. It means God is going to lead you and He's gonna guide you and his, He's gonna have great plans for your future. The third thing I wanna pull from this passage of Scripture is it's an, it's an interesting time because 21 years have gone by and they've rebuilt the temple. They're having worship again. They're having worship services. There's commerce again in the city. Life is happening. The wall is built. They're protected now. Now what? Now what? Well, now is the time to build a life together in that city. That's my third point It is this. It's the will of God for us to foster a sense of connection and community together. This was the exciting part of the story, is all the work and all the heartache and everything, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into building this city, rebuilding the city was completed. Now everyone could take a deep breath and start building their homes and start living in community together, but that's not the end of the story. The story is God wanted to use them to influence the nations from that point. And this is also a foreshadowing of Christ and the church. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, he was resurrected from the dead. And he rose and sent us the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? We lived, Acts 2 community, they lived together. They they broke bread in their homes they ate with glad and sincere hearts. They, they listened to the apostles' teachings, and, and the word of God spread. And the kingdom of God began to get built up. And that's what this series is all about. It's about this church right here, this community coming together now. The buildings are done, the renovations are complete, but God is calling His church to ignite a passion within them for His Word, for His ways, and then start to build the kingdom of God. To bring people into this church who don't know Christ and see their lives changed forever. To make an impact in our community, local community, and in the world. That's what God's calling us to do, is to connect with each other and live in community together. You know, I I was talking to Pastor Dan this week, and he was telling me a story about our food pantry that I thought I would just share with you guys. It was so powerful. For those of you who don't know, we have a food pantry in the back here, and we've had it for many years. And it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. And now, not only are we feeding people, but other people are coming in and they're asking, you know, can we, can we shadow you? Because we want to do a food pantry in our city, at our church, in our town. So people are starting to come in and see the operation and see how we do things. And they're going to do these food pantries in their own town. Well, one pastor from the city of Detroit who's been shadowing us for a little while here, he asked if our team would go down to the city of Detroit and feed some people by his local church. And so our team did that. They went down and fed some people. And this pastor said the next Sunday at church, almost every single person they fed came to church and eight people came to Christ as a result of getting (laughs) fed. There's something powerful that happens when a community of people come together and we all use our own giftings and strengths to grow what God's doing in this local church. And I believe that's what God's doing. I want to encourage you. You heard in the announcements, we have a life group semester starting. We have testimony after testimony, story after story, how people didn't feel connected, didn't feel a sense of community, but they joined a group. They got in that group and they got to know some other people in the group and they started doing life together. And they grew spiritually, but they also grew relationally. And it was the very missing thing in their life, the thing that they were longing for. So I want to encourage you to get involved in a group in our fall semester. Go all in on that group. Get to know some people. Also, if you're not serving or or using your gifts, I want to encourage you to do that as well. There's something so unique that happens when the people of God come together and use their gifts to grow the local church. I want that for you. I want you to feel like you have a sense of purpose. Like you're doing something to grow the kingdom of God. Cause there's nothing that will bring more fulfillment to your life than when you know the God of the world has used you to bring transformation to other people's lives. It's the greatest fulfillment of all time. So I wanna encourage you, use your gifts. And sow those into the kingdom of God because that's what he's calling us to do. So just remember these three things before we close is this. Number one, for opposition, it will come and it will usually contradict the word of God. It will come and it will usually contradict the word of God. Two, when God is involved, success will be the outcome. And three, it's the will of God to foster connection and community together and I really think if we start to do these three things we're going to see this church impact the world for God's glory and we're going to rise and build the kingdom of God let's bow our heads for prayer dear heavenly father I thank you so much for this local church and I thank you for your word I thank you that your word is living and active. I thank you that you gave it to us as a gift and as a guide to guide our lives. And I just pray, Lord, for more of a passion for your word. I pray that we would be focused on building your kingdom. I pray that you would use people to do some great things for your glory. I pray for those who are in this place and they're hurting right now. And they're in the middle of a trial and they're in the middle of grief. I pray you would bring healing to their soul and bring success and and good things on the horizon, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're not gonna have a close, oh, thank you. We're not going to have a closing song today. I want to encourage you to go out into the lobby and check out some of our life groups that we have available. Talk to some of the life group leaders. Stick around. Grab a cup of coffee, a couple of donuts. It's Sunday. You're allowed to have a donut. The calories don't count on Sunday. You know what I mean? So God bless you as you go. Have a great day.